Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin here to bring you what you all really want, right? You want another Falcons 2023 mock draft, all seven rounds. Of course you do. Uh, even more interesting, of course, now that the Falcons have made a trade for cornerback Jeff Okuda of the Lions, former number three overall pick. So we'll get into that a little bit on this too. Although if you want a, a deeper dive into that, uh, we did look at that on Wednesday's uh, last Wednesday's Falcoholic Live where I had Eric Robinson and Will McFadden join me. Uh, for a live mock as well as some some trade talk. Um, definitely check that out. Welcome in everyone to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast as well. Uh, as always, like, subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to that podcast audio, please do give us that five-star review. And if you haven't listened to Wednesday's live yet, uh, did have a big announcement there that the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast as well as Falcoholic Live will now be published by the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, really excited to start working with those guys. Nothing is really going to change with the show. Uh, maybe some logo, minor logo adjustments, right? Get the, get some Believe branding in here. Uh, there will be there will be ad reads returning, right? Uh, so <laughs> I know everyone was probably uh, enjoying the ad, universal ad-free shows. Obviously, you can still get those by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Uh, but really excited to work with those guys. Uh, going to going to lead to a lot of great guests on the show, uh, especially during the season. And uh, yeah, really excited to to get going there. So I wanted to share that on the podcast uh, as well as live for everyone out there. Uh, but let's let's get into this draft. Um, of course, the big change will be that the Falcons no longer have that fifth round pick from the Jaguars that was sent to the Lions as a part of the Jeff Akuta trade and probably does lower the chances that the Falcons consider Jeff Akuda at, or not Jeff Akuda, but, you know, a cornerback at eight, right? Um, I don't think it takes them out of the running for a corner there, depending on how the board falls. Uh, but I also don't know how they value the cornerback class. Do they like Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon equally? Because it seems pretty likely now that the Lions will be taking a corner. So, uh, in that case, the Falcons could have their preferred option of those picks gone. And in that scenario, probably going in a different direction either way. So interested to see how that plays out, how that affects things. But I don't think that the Jeff Okuda trade takes the Falcons out of the cornerback market in the draft. Uh, certainly not entirely. I still expect them to add a corner fairly early. Um, probably, you know, in that late day two, early day three range at the latest because the depth chart still needs help. And, and Akut is here for one more year. Uh, he's here for basically on a one-year deal, right? Uh, I don't think the Falcons are going to pick up his fifth-year option. If he has a great season, he's probably getting big money and the Falcons probably aren't going to be giving Akuda and Terrell big extensions this year, right? Well, in 2024. So in that scenario, Akuda's probably walking. If Akuda has like a decent season, Maybe you do resign him to to a reasonable extension, but even then, you know, there's still room for better depth. And you know, Casey Hayward is he going to be on the roster at the end of training camp? Is he going? He's you know, this is the last year of his contract too. So, a lot of opportunity here for the Falcons to make some additional moves, add, add to the depth at corner because it is a position where you're going to need guys to play. Your your guys further down the depth chart are going to get on the field at one point. 
injuries happen at this position as frequently, you know, maybe at the highest rate of any position, it's certainly up there. So you have to have a deep group. Um, but this is, and this is a deep quarterback class. It's a good opportunity for the Falcons to still add. And I think that will be the case. Um, so before we dive in to the actual Falcons picks, let me tell you guys the first seven picks of this mock draft. So pick one, the Carolina Panthers took quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. That is a pick that's gaining some steam. Uh, pick two, Houston Texans take quarterback C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Pick three, the Arizona Cardinals, the the uh, AI and the draft network's mock draft machine will not trade with itself. Um, I do think the Cardinals are going to trade this pick to someone taking a quarterback. It might be the Colts even, um, but in this mock, they did not trade out of it. So they took Will Anderson at three. Pick four, the Colts take their quarterback, quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, the Seahawks at five took defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Um, and then the Lions at six took cornerback Christian Gonzalez, uh, which I think, you know, that seems to be the way things are leaning now that they've traded Akuda. And then the Las Vegas Raiders take quarterback Will Levis at seven. So the four big quarterbacks now off the board. Uh, and that, of course, does leave some good options for the Falcons. If they love Devon Witherspoon at corner, they could still go that route. But obviously, Bijan Robinson is in play. That was what we did on the last mock draft. But I think that where the Falcons will go if this player is still on the board is for this player. Uh, Tyree Wilson, the edge out of Texas Tech. I think that Tyree Wilson is really perfect for the scheme. He's an ideal Cam Jordan sort of presence that can play uh, on the edge on base downs and then kick inside as a very dangerous interior pass rusher. Uh, in those passing situations, the Falcons have a coach that knows how to coach this type of player up and has done it multiple times. And Ryan Nielsen, they also have a great on-field mentor for him and Calais Campbell, who is probably like the ceiling for a player like Tyree Wilson. Um, it's a really good scenario for Wilson, who doesn't have to come in and be the guy uh, I do think right away he's going to be able to provide high-level run defending uh, across from Calais Campbell, and will really give the Falcons, I think, one of the most one of the most difficult run defenses to run on in the NFL. That's been a clear point of emphasis for this team. Pretty much everyone they've signed has been a, a good to great run defender, um, and that goes all the way from their interior defensive line additions, the edge guys to linebacker with Caden Ellis, and of course to the secondary, Mike Hughes, Jeff Kuda, Jesse Bates, all excellent run defenders. You know, maybe the, the coverage <laughs> for, for Akuda and, and Hughes last year wasn't as good, but they were excellent run defenders uh, consistently. So they've made that in a point of emphasis to really fix this run defense and make it a strength. And Tyree Wilson will give you that right away. Obviously, the length, the size, 6'6", 270, the athleticism, they're all really special. He's a really strong player. He does have a lot of work to do, a lot of developing still to do as a pass rusher, particularly if you're going to have him kick inside. Um, doesn't really have much of a pass rush repertoire, more of a, a, a bull rush, you know, explosive rusher at this point. Not a lot of moves, not a lot of pass rush plan, but he doesn't need to do that from day one. The Falcons do have options uh, they've got Arnold Epicady, they've got Lorenzo Carter, they've got D'Angelo Malone, all guys who you're hoping to have a more prominent pass rushing role this year. And of course, they do have Calais Campbell out there, who's still a very capable rusher. And if you have Wilson potentially rushing from the interior more, he may be able to use that length, use that explosiveness to get some favorable matchups on the inside. Um, so 
He's he's not someone that's going to come in and be this 10-plus sack guy as a rookie. I don't really think there's anyone in this class other than maybe Will Anderson who's going to be able to have a chance at doing that. But I think going forward, he has an, just an insanely high ceiling, one of the highest ceiling players in this class, period, um, on the defensive side of the football. And really, really good, I think, run defender. Um really dangerous backside pursuit player as well. I mean, this is a guy who was a stand-up rusher at his size. Uh, Really special movement skills, really huge tackle radius. I mean, that's one of his best traits, I would say, is his ability to just stick that arm out there, those over 35-inch arms, right, and just grab guys. And he's so strong, even that hand, that it pulls quarterbacks down, it pulls running backs down all the time. Um, He will have a role from day one. He will probably be a starter, quote unquote, because he's going to play on early downs. And then he will grow into a pass rushing role. Hopefully next year he can be a more prominent player on on third downs passing situations. But even if it takes a little while, you're going to get good reps out of him. And he's going to be able to rotate in at the very least as a pass rusher to give you extra juice. Um, so definitely a player that I'm a big fan of there. Um, he's probably one of the only guys I would consider over Bijan. Uh, you guys know I'm big on Bijan Robinson. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a guy that has an excellent shot to, you know, be one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think Tyree Wilson is another guy that has a good chance. You know, it, it, Tyree Wilson's more of a projection than B. John, obviously. He is at a more premium position. So I, I would not be shocked if they if they did see Tyree Wilson as a better investment with a top 10 pick than even a, a potential Pro Bowl running back in B. John Robinson. But uh, this, is, this is a guy who I think if he's here very likely to be the selection for the Falcons. Uh, he just fits them so well, fits exactly what they need. Calais Campbell is only here on a one-year deal. Maybe he returns after that. I would be open to that, certainly. But um, you need someone in the wings to sort of take over that role, to be your long-term Cam Jordan sort of guy, right? And I I think Tyree Wilson is the, the closest you can get to that in, in this class, especially if you're looking to invest a premium pick here at the top. Um, moving on to the second round, we're going to have a trade here. Um, and this is something that I found when, when looking into, you know, potential scenarios for the Falcons, which was that the Falcons under Terry Fontenot and Arthur, Arthur Smith have traded out of their original second round pick in each of the last two drafts. So in 2021, they traded down from 35 to 40. Uh, and that was a move that I thought was really smart. And in 2022, they traded up from uh, 43 to 38 to select Arnold Ibikati. They're now, again, in that sort of same range, pick 44. Uh, I think this is another spot where they could be receiving interest in trades, uh, trade down, you know, scenarios in particular for people trying to come up for the guys that have fallen out of the first round, and there definitely will be some. Um, I keep coming back to a team like the Chicago Bears, who just have so many picks, and they need a lot of talent. So I, I would... I would think the Bears would be someone looking to move up for a choice player, maybe a wide receiver that's fallen out of the first round if they don't go that route in round one. Um, Maybe a top offensive line prospect that they like if they didn't go that route in round one. Um, I believe they went for offensive line in this mock, so getting that you know top prospect could be on the board. It's not going to be a lot of compensations. The Falcons do trade down from 44 to 53, and they get pick 133, which is a fourth rounder from the Bears. as well, and they send them uh, their later, uh, their later seventh round pick. So 225, I believe, is the pick. So um, again, this is not a massive amount of compensation, not a 
huge deal, but it is an extra day three pick to replenish what they what the Falcons just traded for Jeff Okuda. It is earlier than that pick, about twenty five spots earlier. So it's it's a better pick, and and you get to continue, you get to sort of recoup that asset, and you get to give up a seventh rounder, which you probably didn't want to make anyway. This team is also to trade away all of their seventh round picks. I would not be surprised if they end up with no seventh round picks by the time the draft is over. Um, now picking though at 53, uh, the Falcons do still have some very intriguing players on the board. And this is a spot, especially after a trade down where I would love to get that offensive lineman, uh, especially on the interior that the Falcons haven't really added in free agency. Um, and one of my favorites is still here. Uh, Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, one of the best centers in this class. He's not on the level of John Michael Schmitz as like a slam dunk, you know, potential pro bowl center in my opinion. Um, and I don't, he's not quite the, the mauler that like an Osiris Torrance is. However, I do think Joe Tippmann's a better athlete and he has tremendous, he does have good size also. Um, this is a guy that is, you know, six, six, three thirteen, So he's a big center, lots of length for that size. Um, and, Someone who's capable of playing guard because he does have that size, that strength, really athletic player, natural fit for the zone scheme, really smart, capable of doing all the protections, uh, multiple years starter, a um, lot of experience. I mean, he's just a guy that I, I think offers a lot more upside than Drew Dahlman at center. If the Falcons do like Dahlman, Joe Dippin can absolutely play guard. I don't know the last time he has played guard, but um, certainly the size gives you a lot of hope that he's capable of doing it. And the Falcons have definitely converted a lot of centers to guards so far. I mean, Matt Hennessy, they converted to guard last year and it's pretty good. So um, I think Tittman gives you another starter on your offensive line, whether that's at guard or center. Um, And he'll be here on a cheap rookie contract for four seasons, which is important for this team because they're paying three of their five offensive linemen. Can't really afford to sink a lot more into this offensive line. So getting good rookies in here to man at least one, but ideally two of the spots will help their financial situation going forward. As this uh, rebuild starts to turn into more of a contending roster, you have to figure out where you can get value. And I think the interior offensive line is definitely one of those spots where you can get starters on day two, sometimes even day three. Um, Moving on to round three, pick 75. Uh, This is a spot where I often go corner, but because of the Jeff Okuda trade, I think they can afford to wait a little bit longer on that. Um, there are still plenty of good corners available here, so I'm, I'm pretty confident that there will be some left in the fourth round. Um, so we're going to go with the wide receiver here. I know on uh, Falcoholic Live on Wednesday, we took Cedric Tillman because he fell. He did not fall in this mock. I think there's maybe a 50% chance, maybe a little bit less, that he does make it all the way to 75. If he doesn't, I would immediately then switch my attention to Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. This is a repeat pick on this mock draft. Um, I've taken Mingo, I believe, two times. Um, This maybe is the second or the third time. So Mingo just makes so much sense for this team. He tested out of this world at the Combine. He is a big-bodied receiver, right? Almost 6'2", 220, almost built like a running back at that size. Really good after the catch. Got a lot of nuance to his game. Good hands that really improved this last year. Uh, And he's, you know, the most important thing, right? He's a great run blocker. (laughs) No, he's a good receiving prospect. His stock has really improved after a strong senior bowl, after a great combine. I think there's more here with Mingo than we saw in college. Uh, 
this is a guy that that I think is is craftier and and more technical than maybe a lot of people thought considering his production. And I would be really excited to get him in here. The Falcons have shown a lot of interest in Mingo. I, I do think that, like I said on Wednesday's Falcons Live, I, I think Mingo to the Falcons is one of the picks I feel like the most certain about as a guy that I think just makes too much sense. And where they're picking in the third round, probably still going to be there. I don't expect him to be there in the fourth round. So if they want him, they would have to take him here. But it's a good fit value match. I think this is where his range sort of starts. And... I would be really happy to get Mingo in here. I think he has wide receiver two upside. Doesn't necessarily have to do it this year, um, but immediately gives the Falcons another really good option in the passing game um, to give them some depth. He does have pretty good speed. I mean, it's not Scotty Miller speed, but it is, you know, low 4-4 speed and great size, great run blocking. And we know the Falcons are going to make sure they are not going to they are not going to sign or trade for you if you can't at least run block at an average level and of course Mingo does move the needle as a run blocker I mean he's a very physical guy so definitely a pick that I like there and I think we well this is one of the most likely ones I think we could see on actual uh day two of the draft uh next pick round four pick 110 we didn't get Bijan but that doesn't mean we can't still add to the running back room and we should right uh the Falcons really do need to um I've said it before, but a lot of people keep mentioning, like, why do the Falcons need a running back? They have Cordell Patterson. They have Caleb Huntley. You know, why do we need a running back? Well, Cordell Patterson will be, uh, this will be his th- age 32 season, and he has definitely slowed down towards the end of the season in each of the last two years. He needs to have a more specialized, more complementary role going forward to keep him playing at the high level that he does still play at. Um He's probably also going to be your main returner, and, and you're probably hoping that he he takes on more of that role. Caleb Huntley has a, a torn Achilles that was suffered late in the season, and it is not out of the question that he will not play at all in 2024 or 2023. He may return at some point. I don't think it's going to be early in the season. It may be not at all this season. So really, your your depth chart is Corderell Patterson, who probably needs to be a rotational guy. And Avery Williams, um, who is your returner, uh, what your punt returner, kick returner, and a smaller running back that's not someone who can take a lot of carries. They do have some other, you know, guys in here, right? Like BJ Baylor, who is somewhat intriguing, um, but they do need another running back. They need someone that can fill that Caleb Huntley role, take some carries, not make Algier carry the rock 20 times a game because he will break down and probably not. I mean, at some point, somebody will have to step in for Tyler Algier, whether that's due to injury or exhaustion. Um, The Falcons would be really smart to add another guy to this group. And it doesn't have to be Bijan. As much as I think a lot of us would like Bijan and how fun Bijan would be, the truth is that you don't have to go for that. You don't have to go that route. You don't even have to go that route on day two. There are a lot of good running backs in this class. You can still add a contributor to this group. And one one of the best fits, I think, on day three, especially on the early end, is... Uh, Israel Abanaconda from Pitt, uh, who look looks like an Arthur Smith running back, right? Uh, 5'10", 216, big-bodied, uh, got that com- more compact frame that I honestly think is a good thing for running backs below six foot. Um, the thing with Abanaconda is that he does have that size, but he tested out really well. Very similar testing to Bijan Robinson, actually. Uh, hit that mid 4440, which is really good for a running back. Hit that 41 in the vert, really explosive player. Um, got that long speed, right, to, to break off big runs. Um, 
the thing with Abanaconda and the reason why he's still around in the fourth round is that he's not as physical as you would expect for someone of that size. I think it's a part of his game he can develop. The other thing with Abanaconda is his vision and his decisiveness. They both need work. Um, I don't think it's bad, but I do think he, he leaves some yards on the field. He's a little indecisive at times. Uh, a lot of times, you know, sometimes I, I think he could run with a little bit more intention, you know, between the tackles. Uh, but I think he's a good player. And I think as a, a running back to committee member, he does offer you something that the Falcons don't really have, which is that speed, that athleticism profile. And I think you can continue to coach him up. And, and he does, if he, if he can improve that vision, improve that physicality, that he does have starting running back upside. Um, but I think you know, you look at this pick and you say, this is a guy that could come in and be a great compliment to Tyler Algier, give the Falcons another good running back uh, to rotate in, something a guy that offers something a little bit different. Um, and I think that pick makes a ton of sense, and he's a good fit for, for what this offense needs. Next fourth round pick, uh, pick 113. This is where we're going to add that corner. Like I said, some guys are probably going to fall. And that, that was the case here. Uh, we do see cornerback Tyreek Stevenson from Miami fall into the early day three range here. I think that it's definitely something we could see. I don't know which of the cornerbacks is going to fall. But again, there are so many of them that they're going to be, some will be available here. Um, some of the guys in that late day two sort of range will fall into this area of the draft. And I think the Falcons can sort of pick, sort of wait and see if any of the guys they like are the ones that make it here. And Tyreek Stevenson is is a specialist, right? This is a guy that is a big press man corner with excellent length, right? Six foot, 198, good length. He's he's a main press man specialist. I, I think in zone, he doesn't look great. Um, he did have a really good senior bowl, had a good combine, tested out with some, with some pretty good athleticism. Um, he doesn't have the best change of direction skills, I He's just not a very good zone corner, but with the Falcons sort of expected to go to a more man-heavy coverage scheme, I think that is a spot where he could thrive. Um, he's not the best run defender. I think he's fine. He's che- he checks the box, but I, given his size, I think there's there's more meat on the bone there where he can he can become a much more complete run defender. Um, and look, with the Falcons having Terrell trading for Akuda and still having Casey Hayward if they want to, Tyreek Stevenson is a guy you can slot him in on the depth chart um, behind those guys. Let him develop this year. He could come in as a reserve. He could come in, you know, in, in dime packages if needed. Um, and and let him grow. Let him develop behind these guys uh, to potentially be a bigger contributor in 2024 when maybe Akuda is back. Maybe he's not. But Hayward, no longer under contract, will be 35. So you're definitely looking for more reinforcements to the cornerback room next year. And I think Stevenson has that has starting upside on the outside, especially in a a man coverage heavy scheme. Um, Now for the extra pick from the bears pick uh, round four, pick one, three, we're going to go with bolstering the linebacker depth here. Go for uh, a guy that I haven't actually mocked since the first mock I did uh, linebacker, Mohamed Diabate uh, from Utah. This is a guy that I can't believe was not invited to the combine. I mean, really great athleticism at his pro day. Ended up with a 9-1-1 RAS. Good length, good size, right? 6'3 and a half, 32 and a half inch arms. Uh, had five sacks and 13 and a half tackles for loss at Utah, which is, look, it's in the back 12 but I mean, it's a power five school. 
and he's an early day three projection on most boards. So I don't know why he was not invited to the combine. He deserved to be there for sure. Um, I love Muhammad Diabate. I think he's a great fit for the Falcons defense. He's versatile, great range, uh, very instinctual, finding the football, uh, strong run defender. He is a little on the small side, right? 225 is, is what he weighed in at the, at his, uh, his pro day. I think he needs to get up into the 230s, but look, he's a very good run defender despite his size, and as a pass rusher, he's a very dangerous blitzer. Uh, that explosiveness is is big for him. He's he's very good at finding the football and finishing in the backfield. Um, he doesn't take on blocks, right? He is a smaller linebacker. He's a run and chase weak side linebacker, but... Um, and, and I think the one part of his game that you're really looking to see improvement in is, is zone coverage. Um, he just sort of drops. I don't think he has great instincts there. Um, he's just sort of a space eater, like a space. He just covers the space. He doesn't really, he doesn't read it super well. He doesn't impact throwing lanes as much as he could. But I think that's that's something you're looking to develop. Um, his man coverage is, is better, I think. And, and maybe you can just play him there. I think, you know, this year he's going to be a rotational linebacker and and someone who's going to be a really good special teamer. And I think you develop that coverage out a little bit more. You, you bulk him up to that maybe 230, 235, if he can get there sort of range. And then he maybe could be a long-term contributor for you next season when, you know, Michael Walker's contract is going to be up and uh, we'll have to see, you know, what, what the future is at linebacker. But I think he's someone that could definitely be a contributor this year, especially on special teams. Um, and look, I think he has value as a run defender, as a run and chase guy, and as a blitzer. And we know how I think we're, we're thinking that this defense is, def- is definitely going to prioritize the blitzing from the linebackers, just like the Saints did in New Orleans. Um all right. Well, we still have one seventh rounder. Couldn't get rid of all of them, right? Um, so round seven, pick two twenty four. Going to go with a new a new face here. Um, the Falcons have seemed to indicate that they they want to continue looking for options at fullback. They did bring back Keith Smith, who's a good blocker and a really good special teamer. He doesn't really offer anything as a receiver or a runner of the football, and that's fine. He's also getting into his 30s, and he's relatively expensive for a fullback, all things considered. I mean, you're not really saving a lot of money between the most expensive and least expensive fullbacks, so we're really splitting hairs there. But in the seventh round, you could get three position, you can get starters at three positions pretty regularly, right? Kickers, punters, and fullbacks, um, because the NFL as a whole just doesn't value the position. And one of, there is a pretty interesting fullback in this class. I know he has a lot of fans in the Falcons and other draft community, and that's Hunter Luke from uh, North Dakota State, who is sort of a unique fullback prospect in that he is more of a chess piece guy, right? More of like a Kyle Juszczyk fullback, right? He Someone who actually is capable of running the football and is good in the receiving game. His blocking is sort of solid it's not special it's not bad it's just sort of solid so I think that's one thing that you would probably be hoping he could improve at the NFL level at the NFL level um but he is much more of a chess piece and I do wonder if Arthur Smith and Fontenot and and this offense will value his ability to sort of be a mismatch guy sort of be a secret weapon type of player sort of like you know Pat DeMarco was back in 2016 2017 those those days um as opposed to just being a pure blocker, he's probably not going to be the special teams player that Keith Smith is 
right away. Um, I think, you know, with his athletic profile, which is pretty good for a fullback, um, he has the potential to, to turn into a pretty good special teamer. But uh, right away, I think he'll offer more on offense, like running and receiving. He was a very productive runner at North Dakota State. This guy had multiple hundred-yard games as a fullback. Very good yards per carry average. Um, so he's almost a quasi-running back who plays fullback. And I think if you can get the blocking to a higher level, this is a guy that could could even see you know the team potentially carry four running backs with Lupke as one of the four instead of carrying four plus a fullback. Um, you know that that could make the team if if he's reliable enough as a runner. This is a guy who might uh, you know you may not need to carry four running backs because you know if you do have a bunch of injuries, Lupke can come in and carry the ball for you if needed. So, so you could do some interesting roster stuff with him. I do think he's a cool player. Um, and look. Most of the players you're going to get at this seventh rounder, they're not. They're going to have a, a 50-50 shot to make the roster, basically, if that. Um, I think at fullback, Lukey has starting potential, and that's tough. That's tough to find this late in the draft. He, you know, his biggest competition will be Keith Smith. The Falcons also brought in Clint Rakovich, who was an interesting prospect from last year's class or the year before. I can't really remember. And they still have John Rain, who they they seem to like. But I think there's a clear sign that they're looking maybe to go in a different direction of fullback or at least have an open competition there. Um, and I think Luke Key is, is an interesting guy to add to that group, sort of a different flavor. Um, yeah, but that's that's the draft, guys. Hope you enjoyed this penultimate edition, which for those who don't know what that means, it's the second to last, right? Um, yeah, so this will be the second to last mock we'll do here on Dirty Brids and Brews. We'll, of course, have another coming out right before the draft, which is... Less than two weeks away now. It's getting closer and closer. Um, do appreciate everyone tuning in here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. A little tease for you guys: we're gonna uh, there's gonna be some cool stuff going on during our live draft show. Uh, during all three days of the draft, will be live on the YouTube channel. We will be also having giveaways. Uh, we'll be giving away NFL store gift cards throughout all three. Uh, Nights of the Draft. One of the giveaways will be exclusive to patrons. Um, so definitely consider signing up for the Patreon, right? Patreon.com slash Live for access to some cool giveaways, some cool stuff, including a uh, exclusive patron mock draft that's going to be going on the week of the draft. Uh, and then, of course, add free access to all these episodes. Check out the community Discord. The link is right there if you're watching on YouTube. It's also in the show description. Um, and, uh, yeah, like subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, if you're on the podcast audio, please do leave us that five-star review. That really helps us out. I uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out with us here. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Check out all of our written stuff on the Falcoholic.com. And thanks again to the Believe Podcast Network for publishing the show. I'm excited to get started working with these guys over the next few weeks. So you guys can look out for more details on that new, uh, new partnership coming very soon. So until next time, guys, thank you so much for watching Dirty Birds and Brews. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, folks. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.